Uh, we're going to keep going in our parable series that we started a few weeks ago. And uh, this week, we're going to be hitting a parable that it might be the first parable I ever learned as a kid, and there's a reason for that, and I'll, I'll, I'll share with you a little bit later. But this is a parable that when it comes down to what it's actually about, it's a parable about being a disciple of Jesus and what it really means to, to, to follow Christ. Um, if you've been coming here very long, you know that this picture up here is our uh, church logo. And um, I, we, we had the kind of text thing that we did for a while, and then a few years ago we added a triangle, and I don't know, I just liked it. Uh, there was a reason we added the tri triangle. It wasn't just because we added the triangle. Although somebody ruined it for me after we started doing that. They were like, why did you guys steal the Doritos logo? And, and I was like, dang it. <laughs> we did. <laughs> But it wasn't on purpose. It wasn't on purpose. But now I'm hungry thinking about it, right? So, um, so yeah, that, that, that's our logo. There's a reason you see, and, and the reason you'll see up on the wall over in our foyer, and it's this. We, we, a lot of times when we're talking about how we describe what a disciple is around here, we use this little, this little graphic. Go ahead and put that up there. And, and, it, and we draw this, you know, sometimes I'll do it on a napkin for people. We'll draw this little triangle. And, and uh, right, Matthew 4, 19, there in the, the center. So when Jesus called his first disciples, the way he called them was he said, uh, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. So we just want to take how we define discipleship from Jesus, from the kind of the, the clues that Jesus left us, and go, when Jesus called his disciples, he told them to follow me. So a follower of Jesus Christ is someone who is, duh, following Jesus, Right? Uh, so somebody who's following him, what's it look like to follow him? It, it means that you're around God's people. You're in his word. You're, you're trying to get to know him through time and prayer and all that kind of stuff. Maybe you're listening to sermons and podcasts during the week. Whatever you can do to, to kind of get a familiar feeling with Jesus and the mind of Christ, the mind of God, that's what it looks like to follow him. But this, this is part of it. And the groups that we talked about earlier, that's part of it as well, time with one another. And uh, he says, follow me and I will make you. In other words, some change is going to be happening. So a follower of Jesus Christ, a disciple is someone who is being changed by Jesus. And, and that's us daily. And we're going to talk about that a little bit in just a little bit more. A little bit more. But um, that's somebody who is, is, who is kind of daily going, this is, this is the way I look now, God. If you need me to look different, let me know. Let me know. Like, like I'm, I'm, I'm putty in your hands like mold me into what you need to mold me to be. Change me if you need to change me. And we allow that. We, we submit ourselves humbly to God for however he might want to change us. And he says, follow me and I will make you. What's he going to make us? Fishers of men. I'm going to set you out on a, a mission to go and reach others for me, to go and make other disciples. And, uh, and so, he said, so a disciple is someone who's living on mission for Jesus as well. We have a, a clear sense that our Christian faith is not just about some sort of self-help religion just for us, that it is about us taking the gospel beyond ourselves to people around us and, uh, and, and, and doing that sort of thing. So, um, so it's like we live on mission. Not, and when we talk about living on mission, we're not talking about going overseas or anything like that. We're talking about right here at your workplace, in your community, you're on mission. God has placed you here for a reason to, to spread the gospel throughout this community. And how, how are we doing that? So that's what it is. A disciple, someone who's following Jesus, who's been being changed by Jesus, who is living on mission for Jesus. That's what it means to be a disciple. Well, Jesus tells us a, a little parable that kind of sums all of this up into one neat, tidy little story. And um, so I meant to bring... 
Derek, would you do me a big favor and bring me that cup? Thank you. I'm, I got the cotton mouth. I'm sorry. I meant to bring it with me. Thank you so much, sir. Um, so we are in Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, if you want to turn over there. This is the time when back in the olden days you would hear pages flapping. Now we just hear scrolling. So Jesus says, Luke chapter 6, verse 46. <coughs> Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Now we're going to stop right there because this is the key to this entire parable. This question that Jesus is asking. Why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? It's ridiculous. It sounds a little bit, maybe if you're a parent in the room, like a conversation you have had with your kids before, right? Why do, I don't want to hear about, I'm sorry, I want to see actual change. You know, you, you have conversations sometimes like that with your kids. And Jesus says, why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? And this is something that we as followers of Christ, as Christians, we have really got to come to grips with. We need to be wrestling with this question often. Because you know and I know that there are areas of our lives that we still haven't submitted to Christ, that we're still holding on to a little bit too tightly. And you'll probably have areas like that for the rest of your life. But we need to be of the mindset, like we talked about just a second ago, we need to be of the mindset of kind of handing ourselves over to God daily. Like Paul uh, said in his writings, I, I, I crucify myself. I die daily. I die daily. I hand over my agenda, my plans, my dreams, my pride, my ego, my sinful nature. I hand all of that over to God and embrace whatever it is he has for me. And we get into the regular habit of just living in that level of humility. I've never, I think one of the keys to living a quote-unquote successful Christian life is to develop the habit of never thinking you have arrived spiritually. Like, I, I, if I ever get to the point to where I think I've got this thing all figured out and I don't have anything else to learn or all my sins are taken care of or, or what, you know, whatever, then we're in trouble. I'm in trouble. As a leader of this church, we're, we're in trouble to have that kind of person as a leader, right? Like, we all need to be about the mindset of we will, we will have areas of our lives that need to be worked on need to be reshaped, reformed for the rest of our lives. And yes, we'll be able to look back in our past and go, hey, I'm further down the road than I used to be. But further down the road is still a long way from the resurrection life that Christ is calling us to and trying to transform us into. And we get in the habit of regular submitting ourselves. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice... I'll show you what they are like. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. And when a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my word and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And the moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. So he gives us this, this there, you, you need hardly any explanation for this story. It's so clear what Jesus is trying to get, a, get across in this story 
but I'm a preacher and I have to preach it and fill 30 minutes. So here we go, right? No. So, so like, like it, 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 is, it, it is such a clear example of what, you know, there's not a lot of digging and, oh, what's he mean by this and what's the culture and, you know, whatever. We all understand the concept of building a house with a foundation, right? We all understand that. I'm not a builder. You don't want to live in the house that I built, but I still understand the need for a decent foundation, right? And Jesus is like, you know, someone who is not just hearing my words, but putting them into practice is like a, the wise guy, the wise person who built his house on a, on a foundation, on a firm rock, right? It'll withstand a storm. It'll be there after the storm is over. But the one who hears my words and doesn't do anything, doesn't change in any way, it's like a building a house with no foundation. You're going to get wiped out in this thing. You're going to get wiped out. It's such a clear thing. Now, this is the first parable I remember as a child. The reason I remember this parable as a child is because there was a song that went with it. Does anybody remember the song that went with this parable? Anybody? All right, we have a small choir this morning. Are you guys ready? All right, here we go. Here we go. So if, if, you, if you didn't do Sunday school as a, as a child, you may not know this song, but, and I'm not sure if I remember the hand motions, but Okay, so yeah, something like this. But so it's uh, uh, the wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon. I'm watching Lily. The wise man built his house upon the rock, and the rain came tumbling down. I'm looking at the lyrics. Oh, the rain came down and the floods came up. The rain came down and the floods. Let's speed it up. The rain came down and the floods came up, and the house fell. So firm, right? Okay. Uh, the foolish man built his house upon the sand. Was is this sand? Okay. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand, and the rain came tumbling down. Oh, the rain came down and the floods came up. The rain came down and the floods came up. The rain came down and the floods came up, and the foolish man's house went splat. Right. So here's the moral of the story. So. Build your house on the Lord Jesus Christ. So build your house on the Lord Jesus Christ. So build your house on the Lord Jesus Christ. And the blessings will come down. And the blessings come down as your prayers go up. The blessings come down as your prayers go up. The blessings come. There's some prosperity gospel in this, but it's okay. And so build your house on the Lord. Okay. All right. So that's the, that's the song. All right. So thank you. Thank you. I'm selling CDs in the foyer. <laughs> so, all right, no. Um, so, no, that, I, that's literally one of the very first songs I remember singing in church, you know, as a one, two-year-old. You know, it's just, it's, it's burned. I, I was going to say it's burned into my memory, but I actually needed to look up the lyrics before church. <laughs> I had thought about doing this song earlier, and then we, oh, yeah, we're going to sing that song. And then I was sitting back there just now going, okay, oh, I don't remember the words of that song. <laughs> I had to look them up. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's, so because of that, it's, it's the, when I think of parables, it's, this is probably one of the first parables I, I think of. But it's just such, in fact, I think that song illustrates the point. It's such a simple story that even, even a toddler can grasp the meaning of that story, right? How important it is to build your life on Jesus. And not just on the concept of Jesus, but as the t story is actually trying to tell us, to build our lives uh, on Christ by doing what he says. By doing what he says. So the big point I want us to remember this morning is this, that churches are full of fools. Churches are full of fools. We need to be about doing wisdom. Churches are full of people who hear God's word 
and many of whom do nothing about it. It's really easy for us to look outside these walls and go, the world is full of fools, but let's just be honest, okay? Churches are full of fools. How many of us, how many of you would be honest this morning? I just put you on the, now you have to do it. And raise your hand with me and go, you have heard messages and read scriptures that you have decided I will not be obeying that one today. Anybody? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, lots of us. We, we just do that as part of human nature, right? And, and you know, I, it's easy for us to look around, and, and when I say a statement like churches are full of fools, it's easy for us to go, yep, yep, I'm sitting next to one or two or whatever, you know. It's a little bit different for us to kind of look inward and go, if I'm honest, I'm occasionally that fool. If I'm honest, that fool is occasionally me. And we need to be about, it's not enough for us to just, and this is what we do. This is just human nature. It's the way our mind works. works. You know, uh, experts have done, you know, written papers about this. It's just, it's just the truth. The way our mind works is that when we hear something smart, when we hear something wise, when we hear something true, we tend to think, well, I heard that thing, so now I am that thing. I know I have that knowledge in me, so that means I am that person. Who here has ever watched Netflix and watched a vegan documentary and suddenly, oh, you are a vegan? Until you actually try being a vegan, and then you're like, oh, I don't think I'm a vegan, right? Like that, like, but, but man, you hear that information, and it gets you excited, and suddenly you are that person. You become that person. And we do the same thing every time we come to church. You hear truth, and you go... Yes, 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 and amen. That is so true. Uh, and you absorb it about this deep. But when it comes to actually putting it into practice, what, is it, what does Jesus say there in that passage? Why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? It's not enough to just come and sing the songs and listen to the messages and pray the prayers. There's always been people who follow Jesus at that level. But what he's looking for in a disciple is someone who will come and sing the songs, pray the prayers, hear the word, and actually do what it says. This is why the church has such a horrible reputation in our world, because we're full of people who know the truth and don't actually do the truth. The church is full of fools. We're full of people who are building our houses on sand. Who here can look back over the course of your life, if you've been a Christian for very long, and think of somebody that you thought was a super strong Christian, a super strong follower of Christ, but the storm came and wiped down their house, and you didn't realize it was built on sand, and it was. Can you think of somebody over the course? like, I thought, I didn't think that person would ever leave the faith, and now they've abandoned their faith. Because life hit, and it was too much. We need to be a people who are about doing wisdom. So how do we do that? How do we do wisdom? So this is the way. I, this is one way. I'm sure you can think of some other ways. I'm going to focus on this one today. But when you are experiencing the Word of God, and when I say experiencing the Word of God, we've talked about before that the Word of God comes at us in many different ways. That when when you read your Bible and those early Christians are talking about the Word of God, they're not just talking about a Bible, one, because they, they, none of them had a Bible in their hand. They, you know, they'd go to a place and listen to the Word read. Uh, but they're not just talking about the Scriptures. They're talking about the Scriptures. They're talking about the preaching of the Word. They're talking about 
uh, uh, prophetic words and words of encouragement that might come from their brothers and sisters in Christ. They're talking about just being able to observe what God is doing. The Word of God is how God is moving amongst His people. What God is up to, that is the Word of God. And it comes to us in many different ways. And so let me just say this, that when you're reading the Word, when you're praying, when you're spending time praying, when you're hearing the Word, ask yourselves these questions. Ask yourselves these And this will help you start doing wisdom instead of just hearing it and, and leaving it at that. The first one is this. You ask, when I'm hearing this Word, what am I learning about God? What is this teaching me about God? This is a really important question. And if you've been in our growth groups very long, you've probably heard this question come up as we wrestle with certain scriptures and stuff like that. What, what, what is this passage teaching us about God? The reason it's important to ask this question is because for you to be able to effectively and accurately and truthfully and authentically follow God, you first need to know who that God is. And it's important that you that your, your image of God, the image of God that's built up in your mind is one that's built up by His Word, not just by, like we talked about last week, the person in the mirror, how, however you want to make, remake God into your own image, or just how you wish God was, or whatever. But you, you have this accurate view of God. And so we approach the Word of God first by asking, what does this teach us about God? That's an important question. What does this teach us about God? The second question I've, I've learned to ask myself when I'm in the Word is this. What, what am I learning about myself? What's this, what is this passage teaching me about me? Again, another important question. I want to get a clear view of God, but it's just as important that I have a clear view of myself. Not the you you wish you were. Not your Instagram filtered view of yourself but the actual you. And that's one of the things that the Word of God, especially the Scriptures, do so, so effectively is that it holds a mirror up to us that you can't put a filter on. You can't, you can't shake, I mean, you can't transform it into something that looks a little prettier. It holds a, a very clear, like, you know, those pimple-popping mirrors? Those, ah, those harsh mirrors? Those are horrible. That's, that's the Word of God right there. It holds that clear view, unescapable view of who you are up to yourself. And it shows you your flaws and all. And it's important that you ask yourself, what is, what is this passage? What is my time with God right now as I'm praying? What is this word that I'm listening to or I'm studying with my friends? What is it teaching me about me right now? Is there something about me in this that I need to realize? As I'm listening to this, this story that Jesus told, is there a character in the story that I identify with most? I'm really honest with myself. Do I have that issue that this passage is talking about figured out, or is that still kicking my butt and I need some work on it? So what is this trying to teach me about me? And this is the biggest question right here. Does this reading, this reading, this praying, this hearing of the word, does this now mean I need to be doing something different? This is the tough. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where we don't just hear the word, but we then begin to put it into practice. Does what I've just heard, does what I've just learned, does this now mean I need to be doing something different? If God really is sovereign, that I just, I just read in some passage or heard in some sermon that God is sovereign and he's completely in control, does this mean I might need to change my fearful attitude. 
learn to trust him in a way that has been difficult for me before. God really does want his people to be a people of, of purity, purity of mind and purity of action. Does this mean that there are some habits in my life that I need to let go of? I can't answer those questions for you. And honestly, you can't look around you for the answers to those questions very much. You can get wisdom from, from your brothers and sisters in Christ, but they may come up with different conclusions than the Holy Spirit leads you to. This is one of the trickiest things about following Jesus is that the way the Spirit leads me to follow Jesus may not be exactly the way he leads you to follow with Jesus, to follow Jesus. And the reason is, is that God does something. You ever, you ever get frustrated by, by the bureaucracy of life that establishes a rule or a law um, for the least common denominator of our society and traps the rest of us in that rule? You know what I'm talking about? Okay, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, 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 it, it is, it can be very frustrating, right? And maybe some of you are feeling that frustration, you know, this year and all that kind of stuff. But what God does is he does something that government is usually powerless to do is he treats us as individuals. Yes, he, he, he addresses us collectively and he deals with us as a group, as a beautiful body of Christ, but he also deals with us individually. So he might make me give up a habit that's harmful for me that he allows you the freedom to have that same habit because it's not harmful for you. He treats us like people, like individuals, not just some you know, bureaucratic stamper who says this is legal, this is illegal. He deals with us in a very individual way. I, I love that about God. We would, it would be so much easier to judge each other if we were all judged by the same standard. But we're not. We're not. There are some things that are universal kind of across the board for us, but there are also some things that God deals individually with us, and I, I love that about him. So as we process the word, as the word hits us in whatever form the word is hitting us, does this mean I need to be doing something different? I think this is one of the most powerful things you can add to your prayer life. As you're praying, and you're spending time with the Lord, to take some time to listen to God. And you're like, how do you listen to God? You, you just shut up. Just stop. Just stop talking. Some of you have to fill the uncomfortable silence with God, with, you know, just word vomit. Just, 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 is there prayer vomit? Is that a thing? So, like, you just fill the silence. And I'm just saying, just shut up. Just stop. And ask, just ask God this question. Is there, anything, is there anything you need me to change? Is there anything I need to be doing differently? If there is, like, speak to my heart. Can you just spend some time quiet? And it's scary because this thing, when you get quiet with God, God's got stuff to say. He's got stuff to say. Get quiet with him. You'll begin to feel him kind of nudging your heart in a certain direction. Certain people will pop up in your head, your children maybe, or your spouse, or some of your friends, or whatever. They'll begin to pop up in your head and difficulties you're having in your relationships with them or, or the way you've been treating them or, or whatever will begin to kind of gnaw at you and you realize that the Holy Spirit's kind of driving you towards a certain path, a path of change. That it's, it's hard. It's hard to ask God that question. But this is what humility before an almighty God looks like. It's not assuming you have all the answers and you have everything figured out and you're fine just the way you are. It's daily submitting yourself to God going, I'm, I'm yours, do with me what you will, change me however you will, transform me however you will. 
and you wait to hear that response. It's hard. But this is how we change. This is how we take the Word of God and do the Word of God. This is how we become the wise man who built his house upon the rock. So that when the storms of life come, our houses, our ourselves, our spiritual houses won't be wiped away. Instead, they'll stand firm. Because God builds a house. When God builds a house, he builds it well. He builds it right. You ever seen something well built and you go, they didn't play around with this. Whoever built this thing knew exactly what they were doing and the craftsmanship is top notch. You just see that and you're amazed by something like that when you see it. I'm telling you, when you allow God to rebuild you, he does it right. But it takes some rebuilding. You've got to submit yourself to him. So let's be those kind of people. Let's be wise. Let's not be a church full of fools. I think, I think we're, we have a beautiful, beautiful congregation. For a foolish congregation, we look pretty good. But sometimes we're still foolish. My hand's in the air on that too. And so let's, let's do something different. God, what do, you want to me, what do you want to teach me about you? What do you want to teach me about myself? What, what's my different thing that I should be doing here? If there's anything, speak to me about it. And I think if you just add that little habit to your life, you'll see so much transformation in your own life begin to happen. You really will. But you've got to be willing to do it. You've got to take the time. You've got to take the time. Does that make sense? <laughs> okay. Two people make sense. So if I reach two people today, I'll go home depressed. All right. Here we go. No, I'm just teasing. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you so much for your word. Um, Jesus, once again, we thank you for these amazing little stories that, that you left with us. Give us understanding. Give us insight into them, God, but give us much more than just simple understanding, God. Uh, let's help us to allow these stories to actually change us, to change what we do, to be people who don't, who don't just hear your word but do your word. God, we don't want to people who, be a people who know the gospel. We want to be a people who gospel, who take the gospel out to everyone around us. God, help us to transform some of those nouns into verbs, put some action words into our spiritual lives. God, I, I, I fully confess to you that you know, you know. I've got areas in my life that I still need to hand over to you, and, and uh, sometimes I'm stubborn about it. Sometimes I have glimpses of, of something that beginning to look like success in those areas, and then other times I'm holding on to it too tightly and just flat out ignoring what you want for my life. And God, I know I, I don't want there to be areas of my life that are like that. I want to be just a thousand percent submitted to you. So God, humble me and um, change me. And God, as we close out uh, our time together, I want all of us right now, wherever we're sitting, we just want to ask you this question. Does this mean anything here that, we've, that you've brought to us today, does this mean we need to be doing something different? We need to be doing something different.
Jesus, we do love you. And um, we ask once more that you would help us to build our, our houses well by doing your word. Um, but, but God, I also ask that you would help, help us collectively as your body to build the Living Hope house well. That we would not be a church built on sand, but built on the rock of you and your word. So guide us, guide our leadership towards thinking thoughts and making plans that reflect that desire. And God, when the storms hit our congregation, as they will, um, we pray that that foundation that has been built will be able to withstand any storm that comes. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God is good. Amen. Amen. Good to be in God's house today. Love you all. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. All right. Take care.